else can we go to the Word of God? Let me invite you to open up the Scriptures with me uh, this morning as we look at the text that we heard read just a few moments ago from the New Testament letter known as 2 Timothy. We'll be in 2 Timothy chapter 3 beginning in verse 16 and going through chapter 4 verse 5. But today we do turn in another direction, a new direction. Today we Put a pause on our time together in Exodus, and we'll come back uh, to Exodus. But today we begin a new series on church. Today we begin a five-week series on healthy church. You know, healthy may not be a very exciting word, but uh, then again, perhaps in the middle of a, a global ongoing pandemic, maybe it is. Meadowbrook, don't you want to be a healthy church? Pastor Mark Dever uh, in, uh, from Capitol Hill Baptist Church uh, in Washington, D.C., uh, proposes that a healthy church is a congregation that increasingly reflects God's character as His character has been revealed in His Word. In, in other words, a healthy church provides a picture of the character of our God. According to the, to the Bible, the church is not a place, but it's a people. And so this is a gathering of the people uh, who are known as Meadowbrook Baptist Church. And we want our gatherings, church, to reflect the character of our God. So what does it look like for us as a people? What does it look like for us as a church family to increasingly reflect God's character? What does it look like for us to, to mirror the nature of God to one another uh, and also to the world? Well, Dever unpacks nine marks of uh, healthy churches, uh, nine essential characteristics or, or, or attributes, and they're all important, they're all good, but for our time over the next several weeks, I've consolidated them to five. And so we're going to look at five marks of healthy churches. And so today I want to give you the first. Are you, are you ready for it? Here it is. The first mark of a healthy church is sound doctrine. Sound doctrine. In, in the three New Testament letters known as the pastoral epistles, first and second Timothy and Titus, Paul uses the word sound a number of times. He uses the word sound to describe doctrine or teaching that is correct, that is right that conforms to the message of the Scriptures. And in, in other words, right interpretation, accurate interpretation or biblical theology. It means reliable or accurate. It's closely connected uh, to the idea of being whole or healthy. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, Paul writes to Timothy, he says, "...sound doctrine conforms to the gospel." First Timothy chapter 6, he, he, he says, false teachers do not agree to the sound instruction of our Lord Jesus Christ. And second Timothy chapter 1, he says, what you heard from me, keep as the pattern of sound teaching. Second Timothy chapter 4, for the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Titus chapter 1, he says, an elder or a pastor must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. And then finally, in Titus chapter 2, verse 1, he says, You, Timothy, you must teach what is appropriate to sound doctrine. In other words, just, just a cursory reading of, of Paul's letters, of his writings to these young preachers, reveals the necessity of sound doctrine or right teaching 
in the church. Sound doctrine is biblical theology, meaning it is the message of the Bible. You see, healthy churches preach and practice sound doctrine by listening to God's Word. That's a central truth that I want us to hear this morning and and, and see from God's Word today, that healthy churches preach and practice sound doctrine by listening to God's Word. A church that does not listen to God's Word is a sick church. A preacher that does not preach God's Word is a false teacher. A Christian who does not believe the Word is an unbeliever. A disciple who doesn't read the Word remains a baby in the faith. Healthy churches preach and practice sound doctrine by listening to God's Word. Now we're in 2 Timothy today, and 2 Timothy is a rather personal letter from Paul to Timothy. And it's written near the end of of Paul's life. He's a prisoner in Rome. And Nero, the emperor, is ramping up persecution against Christians. Paul knows his time is coming. He knows that he's near the end of his life. And so he pours out his heart to Timothy, uh, who is his son in the faith, he says. You ever been with someone that was near the end of their life and they knew they were near the end of their life and perhaps they encouraged you or instructed you or just sort of let it all out there for you. I remember in early 2007, uh, Ashley and I had recently uh, got engaged and my grandfather had just been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and it was a late diagnosis. He knew that he did not have much time to live and had the opportunity to visit him there in the hospital. I remember sitting with him uh, in the hospital room and just making conversation with my pa. And I said, Paul, what, what do you think about me getting married? And I remember him just responding rather quickly and matter-of-factly saying something like this, Son, if you can't live without her, then you need to marry her. But if you can live without her, then let her go. And after taking that in and thinking about that for just a moment, I knew I could not live without her. And so later that year, we... We're married, but you know, people that are near the end of their life, who know they're at the end of their life, have a tendency to be honest, to be open, sometimes brutally honest, for they've got nothing to lose. And Paul lays it out here for Timothy's, boldly calling him to persevere in the work of the gospel, despite whatever hardship or suffering that he may face. And for Paul, to persevere in the gospel means recentering. It means recalibrating. Again and again and again on the Word. That is the Word of God. Paul is saying, listen to the Word because it is sufficient. Paul says to Timothy, listen to the Word because it is sufficient. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul reminds Timothy of the women in his life who taught him the Scriptures as a child. His mother and his grandmother, whom he mentions in chapter 1. But he reminds Timothy that he has heard the scriptures so that he might grow up to know and follow Christ. It's as if he says to Timothy, don't forget the necessity of hearing God's word that led to your own coming to faith in Jesus Christ. He says, you were taught the scriptures. And then he goes on in chapter 3, verse 16, and he writes, all scripture is God-breathed. And is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. You see, when you speak, your words are you breathed. Right? That's why we're 
wearing these masks to keep our breath to ourselves in a time of airborne illness. The scriptures, Paul says, are God-breathed, meaning breathed into by God himself. They are his words, his message, all of them. Certainly here, Paul is referring to the Hebrew scriptures. He's referring to the Old Testament. Both Peter and Paul elsewhere imply the same about the new. Paul is saying, listen to God's word, all of it. It is inspired. It is useful. It equips. How many of you remember the the food pyramid that was popular back in the 1990s? I think that's been changed today to resemble a food plate but I remember the food pyramid and at the bottom of that pyramid having breads and grains and pastas and then above uh, that lower level you had vegetables and fruits and then I think you had proteins and dairy and at the very top you uh, had the smallest category there of uh, fats and oils and sugars and and things of of that nature certainly as as parents we we want to teach our children uh, to have a a, a well-rounded diet to have a healthy a healthy diet. And I don't know about you, maybe we're the only ones that have run into some resistance with that. And I can not remember how many times we've sat around the table, even this week, and let a, a piping hot, freshly prepared good meal turn cold because there was a little vegetable there on the plate that somebody was hoping would just disintegrate, evaporate into thin air. Paul is saying here as believers, you need a, a healthy diet of God's Word. All of it. You need all Scripture. You can't ignore some of it and just gravitate to the rest of it. You need all of it. You need it in context. You need the full picture and story and teaching of God's Word. For through His Word, God tells us what to believe. And He shows us how to behave. As healthy churches preach and practice sound doctrine by listening to God's Word. Paul tells Timothy, listen to the Word because it is sufficient And preach the word because Jesus will judge your ministry. Preach the word because Jesus is is, is watching your life, Timothy. He says to him, in the presence of God, chapter 4, verse 1, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge, preach the word. In other words, Timothy, preach the word because all scripture is God-breathed. The word matters because it's God's word. Stand upon it. Submit to it. Be confident in it. I've never forgotten and hope I never forget. I remember after walking through uh, a time of interviewing and seeking the Lord's guidance with our pastor search committee here at Meadowbrook Baptist Church and transitioning to, to this role in the life of the church, I remember the chairperson of that committee, uh, Dr. Paula Moore, giving me a gift. She gave me uh, a copy of the scriptures and she wrote in the front cover, preach the word. Preach the word. You know, those entrusted with the responsibility to, to lead other believers, be they pastors, church planters, Sunday school teachers, or parents are equipped with this book, with the Word, equipped with the Word. Called to communicate the Word and held responsible by Jesus for faithfully standing upon His 
word. This is why James writes in James chapter 3, not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. Pastors, teachers, leaders, preach the word because Christ will judge your ministry and preach the word because Christ is coming. He is coming. He, he will come again. Christ is coming. Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. You see, the one from whom the word comes and about whom the word speaks will soon return. He will come again for his people. He has come and he is coming again. We, we live between the two advents. Two advents of Jesus Christ. Pretty soon we're going to be celebrating the, the advent season. A time when we remember and reflect and celebrate the coming of the Messiah to Bethlehem. But as we celebrate, we always do so. We should do so anticipating his appearing. We do so, church, recognizing that many are still unprepared to meet him. And so we press on, proclaiming the gospel, preaching the gospel, reminding one another to set our minds on things above and warning the lost that the coming king offers forgiveness and life. We preach to prepare for Christ's coming. Healthy churches preach and practice sound doctrine by listening to God's Word. You see, here's the deal, and Paul wants us to hear it. Without the Word to inform us, we'd be misinformed. Without the Word to guide us, we would be misled. Without a steady diet of the Bible, we will begin to believe lies. You see, people naturally move away from the truth. So keep on returning to the Word as your source of truth. Keep on returning to the Word. Keep going back to the Word time and time and time again as your source of truth. Here is Paul at the end of his life and ministry exhorting Timothy to keep on teaching the Scriptures and proclaiming the Gospel. Verse 3, For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. Where do you get your news? Where do you get your news? Here we are, nine days, I believe, from election day. And we we want to be informed voters, right? Where where do you get your information? I would dare say your your political party affiliation impacts which headlines you read and which news outlet you watch. And you know this almost without exception. You can turn on Fox News and hear one perspective and then you could turn on CNN News and hear an entirely different perspective. And for the most part, listeners tune into the station that tells them what they want to hear. We need reliable information. We need a trustworthy source, and it often seems difficult to find. But church, there is a place we can go and always get the truth. Right? A source that exposes our errors and corrects our misunderstandings. A place where we can expect to be challenged and informed, encouraged and corrected. So that is where we must turn. Day in and day out. Sunday after Sunday. Preaching, hearing and responding to the timeless truths revealed in God's Word. 
Friends, healthy churches preach and practice sound doctrine by listening to God's Word. Are you listening to God's Word? Are you taking in His Word? Are you submitting to His Word? Are you longing to know Him through His Word? When, when we gather, church, when, when we, as Meadowbrook Baptists, when we gather, we will read the Word of God and hear the truths of God. That's straight out of our church covenant. So let's do just that. Church, that, that is why most often, most often, whether it's me or, or John or Austin or Kevin or David or someone else, most often we preach and teach expositionally here at Meadowbrook, meaning in a way that exposes God's Word. We want to hear from the Scriptures first and foremost. We, we want to hear from the Lord more than just what I've got to say or anyone else has to say. Taking in a particular passage of the Bible, explaining it, and then applying it to the life of the congregation. John Calvin, the reformer, said it this way. He said, we must not pick and cull the Scriptures to please our own fancy, but must receive the whole without exception. So, Meadowbrook, let's receive the whole of God's Word without exception in order that we might know God, in order that we might grow to increasingly reflect His character as His character is revealed in His Word. Do do you want to know God? Do you want to know Him? Do you want to know who He is and what He's like, what He values and, and what He thinks of you? Do you want to know him, don't, don't you want to reflect the character of this good and gracious God? Let's preach and practice sound doctrine by listening to the Word. And as we'll see next week, as we gather once again, the message of the Word is the message of the Gospel. Meaning the coming and the living and the dying and the rising of Jesus Christ in place of human sinners. That's the gospel message that God shares with us in his book. So let's keep on sharing Christ in the church and to the world. Let's keep on sharing that message. Let's keep on sharing the the message of, of Jesus Christ in the church to one another and with the world. Paul says to Timothy, don't neglect the scriptures. Preach the word for a time is coming and has come when people will neglect the truth. Verse 5, but you, Timothy, keep your head. Keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. So brother or sister, you may not hold the office of pastor, but you are called to preach. You are called to proclaim good news, that you are called to do ministry in the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Every believer is called to proclaim the truth of the Bible, to share the message of the gospel in our homes, in our community, and to the ends of the earth. So brothers and sisters of Meadowbrook Baptist Church, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus who will judge the living and the dead and in view of His appearing and His kingdom, I echo Paul's charge. Preach the Word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience, 
and careful instruction. Father in heaven, help us to do just that. Father, help us to believe your word. Lead us to read your word. Father, guide us in proclaiming your word. Father, we thank you for the message of your word, the message of the gospel, the message of salvation, forgiveness of sins, eternal life, salvation by grace, meaning a gift that is undeserved, salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone. Father, we invite you to speak to us continually through your word. Lord, guide us now as we respond to the truths of your word. We, we pray that you would speak to us even now, Lord, that we would not check out once the message is over, but, Father, that we would invite you to continually speak your truth, your gospel to us, Lord, that we might increasingly reflect your character as your character is made known in your word. Father, hear our prayer now. Hear our praise now. Or guide us to respond to you. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.